Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Now, Bob Stoffer joining you from Winnipeg, Manitoba. This is Oilers Now. The second hour of our show is presented by Digitex. Trusted by 630 Chad, visit their new e-commerce site and order supplies, printers, and more at digitex.ca. Uh, I'll get back to some of your texts on our Westlock Ford text line at 630-630. I will tell you that gift cards for the show for our guests come from Japanese Village Steak and Seafood Cooked right at your table, Japanese Village, Evident South Downtown, Northside, and Sherwood Park. We'll mention that uh, we got the Oilers and the Jets pregame show 430. Reed Wilkins, Jack Michaels, Rob Brown, and myself. Puck drop at 6 o'clock. Uh, Matt Benning in for Evan Bouchard. That's the only change. Cam Talbot against Connor Hellebuck. And a guy that knows a lot about goaltending um, is going to be featured tomorrow night at Rogers Place. It is going to be the Edmonton premiere of Making Coco. Pleased to be joined on the line by my favorite goaltender of all time because he was modest and he never showed up. His teammates, we welcome back to the show, Grant Fuhrer. Hello, Grant. How are you? I'm good, Bob. How are you? Uh, not bad. Uh, and the first question I have for you, it's like, I was just going to say this to you before we went on the air. I mean, I like talking about other, you know, players and that sort of thing, and I love talking about hockey, and it's a privilege to do it, but I don't actually ever like talking about myself, <laughs> which some people would say is ironic. But you're a modest guy as a goaltender and a modest person. You've had an incredibly interesting life. What was it like for you to have a documentary done about yourself called Making Coco? Uh, it took a little bit of convincing. I mean, I, I, I like the quiet life. So it, it, took me, it took me a little while to agree, but I've known Donnie Metz for a long time, and I've gotten to know Adam and the crew. So once we get started, it was fun to do. I mean, to get a chance to live your life a second time, the good, the bad, the ugly, all the fun stuff, was actually a lot of fun to do once I got comfortable with it. Yeah, you know, it's funny because there were trials and tribulations and battles and difficulties along the way and a suspension, and I think we're a lot more relaxed on all that stuff uh, than ever before. In fact, tomorrow we might be the most relaxed once uh, <laughs> officially put in. <laughs> it's, it's, we got Brendan Escott produced the show. He's like, we got to talk about the fact that they're legalizing marijuana for the NHL. And I'm like, what for? They don't test for it. It's not an issue. Like, when I went to university, I trusted the guys more that did pot than the guys that didn't. So 
<laughs> but, but with all seriousness, I mean, you had to relive some of that. Was it difficult, or do you look at it differently now that you're maybe in your your mid fifties than you did when you were going through it at the time? Oh, it's definitely a lot easier now. I mean, once you've lived through it and you know what the end result is, it's a lot easier to go back and go through it again. I mean, unfortunately, that was just a part of life, and you make some tough choices. Some are right, some are wrong, and that was just part of being in your 20s, and they don't hand you a book on life. So sometimes you turn the wrong page. We've all been there before. <laughs> uh, Grant Fuhrer joining us right now, part of making Coco. I mean, obviously, one of the th- I mean, and I've seen some of the trailers, and Don had me in his uh, editing suite, and you know, the fact that I forget which player was like the guys, the whole African Canadian. I don't even know what the politically correct terminology is for it today. You know, the black angle. I mean, that like growing up for me, you know, I, we had a, a couple of terrific athletes, the Whitaker brothers, uh, when I was growing up in. Fultonvale, and they're like the most popular guys in our school. There was not like I couldn't even, you know, sort of reference what happens in the deep south because I had no experience to it. And they they talked about it a bit, but the guys on the team didn't see it that way, did they? Or did they see it that way with you? Or did you feel no. it at all? Not at all. I mean, that's the great part about growing up in Canada is this, there's never a black white issue. Yeah, and I. You know, I was probably, oh, late 20s by the time you ever really realized it was an issue. Other than you read about it, you hear about it, that sort of thing. But I think as I've gotten older, you understand more by, I travel to the deep south now and playing some golf tournaments and stuff where it's still prevalent. So I get, you have more of an understanding of it as you get older, and it's it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, Grant, uh, we could be honest that, uh, you know, there, there has been, uh, you know, if, if there's racism that's existed in Canada, there's been systemic racism historically against the Indigenous, that that's probably been the area where that's occurred, you know, far more. And so it's interesting to hear, to hear your perspective on this as a guy that was a visible minority that didn't feel like a visible minority. I mean, you basically rolled with, like, the funnest group of guys, and you won, which made it even better, didn't it? It was awesome. I mean, I think that's that was one of the greatest things is we were a close-knit group of guys. and Yeah, we were young. We all kind of grew up together. We all had fun together, and we had success. And Glenn basically groomed us for some success. I mean, he told us to expect to win, and we all believed we were going to win. We just had no idea we'd have as much fun doing it. He he also let you make mistakes. And I've tried to delineate this for our listeners, and, you know, like I think Craig – like Craig Matavish went through a tough personal challenge, and, and Kelly Buckberger came in late into the equation. But I think they learned differently as Oilers than maybe you and Wayne and Kevin Lowe and Mark Messier. Because I think, you know, Wayne and Kevin and Mark and, and Grant, you guys were allowed to make mistakes and learn from it. And by the time uh, Mac T and Bucky got to the organization, if they made a mistake, they didn't play because that's how good the team was. Do you agree or disagree with that? Do you think there's a truth to that? No, I totally agree with that. I mean, Glenn let us grow up. I mean, yeah, he kept the leash on us and such, where you didn't get too crazy. But at the same time, he allowed us to mature and grow as people. And I think that was one of the great things is, yeah, they steered us down certain roads and we were able to develop as a hockey team, but we're also allowed to develop as people. And there's a lot of credit to Glenn that goes for that. 
We're joined right now by Grant Fuhrer, part of the documentary Making Coco, the Edmonton premiere tomorrow night at Rogers Place. Visit edmontonorders.com for more information. You can make your way down there and know we've got an event. Uh, there's a new club opening up there uh, tomorrow night as well. Looking forward to that. What was it like having like the the, the cameras around as much as uh, as they were for you? Was that a little strange? It still was uncomfortable as ever. <laughs> you know, was never a big camera guy, and I'm still not a big camera guy, so that was a little awkward. But I mean, eventually you kind of get used to it, but you never really get used to it. So we're much happier now that they're gone. Were you a goaltender? Did you talk on game days, Grant? Yeah, I have no issue with it. I always, I you know, we had El Montoya come in, and, and he, uh, I made him talk when he got traded here, uh, when the owners made the deal for Montreal. <laughs> I just said, "You're doing this. That's it's. You've been acquired. I know it's a game day. You're not starting." Uh, and as it turned out, he ended up going in there because Talbot had a tough afternoon in Dallas. Uh, so I, I always found it interesting that some goaltenders talked and some guys didn't talk on game day. I mean, I guess it's superstition. Were you overly superstitious as a netminder? No, I just like playing. So I mean, I prepared the same way whether I was playing, not playing. I relaxed. I played ping pong with the guys right up until it was time to get dressed. So there wasn't wasn't a whole lot of stress going on. And it's funny I coached Al, so I know Al's a little high strung when he knows he's starting. Yeah, no kidding. Who was the most superstitious guy you ever played with? Doesn't have to be a goaltender. Um, Jamie McLennan was pretty close. I mean, his pads had to be laid out a certain way. You weren't allowed to touch him, that sort of thing. Which of course the guys played havoc with him when they had this chance. So he's. He was pretty high-strung when he played. Of the 80s Oilers, Grant Fuhrer joining us here in Oilers now, making Coco the documentary to premiere tomorrow night. Uh, of the 80s Oilers, who was the best, the, the punster or the jokester, the guy, the guy that got, uh, and, and I wonder whether or not it might have been your roommate, uh, Kevin McClellan. Uh, Mac was high on that list. Mike was always a pretty good jokester, too. I mean, he, yeah. he was a lot of fun. Uh, well, we have Marty McSorley was always good. Probably good because he kept Kevin in line. So between the two of them, they were probably the funniest two. Now, we talked uh, just before going on air here, Grant, and you mentioned, hey, how was that 14-day road trip? Uh, it, it was long. Uh, and I asked you a question, all right, I need to know this. Uh, was there any guy, because when you're a broadcaster, you need at least two or three suits. Like Jack Michaels, he travels five suits. But uh, you at least need a couple. Was there anybody that you played with that was a little light with suits or would do an entire road trip in just one suit? Uh, Kevin McClellan seemed to travel the lightest. We roomed together for seven years. So seven years? amount of luggage. Of, so yeah, seven years together here. It, so, you know what would amaze people? Who carried the most, the least luggage? Who carried the most? Um, it's hard to say. Everybody was fairly normal. Just Kevin traveled a little lighter than the rest of us. Yeah, it's uh, funny. Doing a toothbrush and a change of shirts. There's a there's a story about Jackie Parker, a uh, similar type of story. Somebody getting a, uh, an Adidas bag mixed up when uh, the CFLPA provided them all with Adidas bags. That's a, a very light uh, uh, light traveler as well. We're joined right now by uh, Grant Fuhr, of course. Uh, the premiere taking place at Rogers Place tomorrow night at 7:30. It's an exciting documentary. The producer of Ice Guardians, Adam Scorgi, as well as director Don Metz and co-producer Shane Fennessy. Uh, detailing the life of the Oilers legend. Uh, tickets uh, are on sale for this event, 20 bucks, and uh, you can go visit rogersplace.com. So you grow up in Spruce Grove. You're part of this uh, Oilers championship team. Uh, 
four championships in a span of five seasons. Maybe if you you know, given what happened in 1986, is there a way to sort of uh, when you guys uh, eventually knocked off Philadelphia, it, it took you seven games in '87. By the way, do you, do you buy the concept that Grant, uh, Glenn Sather Grant actually wanted a Game Seven back at Edmonton? That's why you guys had the Game Seven because Peter Pocklington needed another home gate for the playoffs. No, we'd have rather wiped it out in four. Yeah, G- Game Sevens are never a guarantee, <laughs> especially with the way Hextall was playing that year. Hexy was on fire and. Coming home to play a game seven, yeah, it's fun to play in game sevens, but you're also one bad bounce away. I mean, if you look at 86, you're one bad bounce away from it not going your direction. So I don't think you ever really want to take it to a game seven if you don't have to. What did it mean for your group to hand that trophy to Steve Smith after what happened in 86? Oh, I think it was great for Smitty, and then it was great for all of us. I mean, I think if anything, losing in 86 made us refocus, made us a better hockey team. I mean, I think winning, you can get a little complacent. And it's not so much that we got complacent. We left it to where a bad bounce can make a difference. Whereas in 87, we didn't leave anything out on the table. There was no bad bounce that was going to affect us. We were just that much better a team. I know the 85 team got voted the number one team by the fans. I personally believe your 86-87 team was the best of the five championship teams. Do you agree or disagree with that? No, I totally agree with that. I think we were a deeper team. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the 85 team was a great hockey team, but I think the 86-87 team was a deeper team. We had more depth, and I think we were more sound in every position. We're joined by Grant Fear. Grant, what do you think of Cam Talbot? I like Cam. I mean, I think he's going to be a great goalie. And yeah, two years ago he had a phenomenal year. Last year he had a, what got overlooked was he actually had a good year. And if you look at the way he played, he actually had a good year. Yeah, there were some games that got away a little bit, the bad bounce here, a bad bounce there, but you're going to have some of those years. Yeah. You'll also, you also look at everybody in front of them had bad years. So being a goalie, you're also going to look like you had a bad year, even though he didn't. You know, they talk about goaltenders, and some guys are a little bit selfish in that uh, position, but there there's ways not to do that. And we've talked about this over and over again, Grant, over the years. And, and one of the ways is, is to never show up your teammate. And that's the thing that, you know, I mean, I, I think the joke was you, you said to Steve Smith, I should have had that one too. Uh, my job's to stop them all. But in, in the case of Cam Talbot, like there was some really ugly, wide-open looks that teams got uh, when they – dissected the Oilers' PK and backdoor tap-ins and that sort of thing. And as, as tough as it went, and he had a tough first five months of the season last year, he closed pretty well, but he never once showed up his teammates. And I think that says a lot about his character, don't you? I do. It shows the sign that he's going to be a great goaltender. I mean, you, if you get off to a bad start, things aren't going well. It's pretty easy to turn and look at somebody else. But the fact that he shouldered the blame, and that's, that's a good sign. I mean, that's something that's hard to teach. And it's something that comes from within, and that tells me that he's going to be a good one. And, I mean, he's 31, but you still think he's got lots of uh, racetrack left in his career? Oh, no, I think he's got another seven or eight good years in him still. I mean, he's been healthy, and I think it's only what, his third year as a starter. So right. I, th- I think he's got a lot of miles left in him. Grant, I, speaking of miles, uh, the orders, I mean, we went from uh, Edmonton to Cologne, from Cologne to Gothenburg, Gothenburg into Boston, uh, Boston to New York, back to Edmonton, then back to Winnipeg. But it was all charter. And let me ask you this. How much did uh, it change and, and maybe help, and did it extend your career? 
so that you got a little bit more charter time late in your career after flying commercially at a time in the NHL when most teams did fly commercially throughout the 1980s. And, of course, ever since 9-11, every team in the league now flies charter. Oh, I think once charters came in, it definitely made it a lot easier traveling. I mean, I know my first uh, 11 years, we flew commercial, so there was no get on the plane, fly home right afterwards. Every night on the road, you stayed in the city, got up first thing, usually 5.36 in the morning to catch the first flight out, to either go to the next city so you could get in and practice, or to fly home so you could get in and practice. So it was definitely a little bit more taxing back then. Yeah, absolutely. You looking forward to tomorrow night? Yeah, I'm actually it's, I'm looking forward to it. I've got a lot of family coming. I've got a lot of friends coming. So I've had a chance to see it a few times now, so we're a little more comfortable with it. Grant, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see you down there. We'll see you tomorrow night, Bob. All right, take care. That is Grant Fuhr and Making Coco tomorrow night at uh, Rogers Place. And there's more information on the Rogers Place and on the Edmonton Oilers website. It is 1.20 in Edmonton. You can reach us anytime on our River Cree Resort and Casino hotline. And speaking of the River Cree, they've got Strange Love, the Depeche Mode experience, October 20th. Really? Uh, Take a place at the River. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Career Resort and Casino tickets at Ticketmaster.ca. A little personal Jesus might be appropriate when we come back in Oilers now. It's 121 in Edmonton. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. Patch mode. 124 at Edmonton. Man, that takes me back to the early 1990s. Molson Canadian presents Oilers Game Day Live. It's back for the 2018-19 season. The first event tonight at Central Social Hall downtown. RSVP in advance to receive a complimentary Molson Canadian and an appetizer when you arrive. Great Oilers prizes will be given away, including a trip or two to see the Oilers play on the road in Los Angeles. RSVP at OilersGameDayLive.com to reserve your spot. 125 at Edmonton. You can text us at 630-630. Tweet us at Oilers now. Uh, 
Here we go. Stoffer, you're hilarious. You don't like talking about yourself, says the texter on our West Lock Ford text lines. The poor listeners have to hear more about your kid-level hockey experience, your summer jobs from 30-plus years ago, your time taking up space at university, and every other unimportant event in your life than we hear about the Oilers. You said that you actually don't like talking about yourself. Actually, it's the listeners that hate it when you talk about yourself. Hey, come on, man, really? I've talked about my failure as a uh, bantam and midget hockey player, uh, my ineptitude with my summer jobs 30 years ago. I did take up space at university. I, I will concede that. Every other unimportant life uh, moment in your life. Hmm, okay. Well, you got to get what you get for it. Uh, the Fizzler says, Bob, uh, you should start rocking a Depeche Mode-style haircut. Maybe it will help bring back a little bit of 80 success for the Edmonton Oilers. Again, you can text us at 630-630. And Jared out of Red Deer. Bob, it sounds like everybody thinks the Oilers are already done. We're three games in on a tough schedule. What the heck? After they beat the Jets tonight, Tex will be opposite tomorrow. I have nothing but faith in this team. I'd like to see a better second-pairing uh, right-shot deal with Nurse. Uh, but they can win with this squad. That comes to us from Jarrett. Well, it is only three games in. It is only three games in. But I understand why there's a little bit of concern, because the team, <laughs> it, has, it hasn't uh, performed to its optimal levels yet. I think that's fair. They won an ugly one against the Rangers. 127 in Edmonton, off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back in orders now, we'll hook up with Jay Woodcroft. He is the head coach of the Bakersfield Condors. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.